Welcome to this episode of the Future Champions Podcast. My name is Stuart Taylor, and this is a new episode within the Future Champions Podcast series called The Podium. And I have Robert Garland here with me, who's going to be a regular and sharing his moments in sport in our episode called The Podium. Robert, thank you for joining me on the Future Champions Podcast. Yeah, thank you, Stuart. Appreciate the opportunity to uh, chew the flesh a bit. You actually joined us in January where you talked about your 2021 moment in sport. And I think we had such a good time that I invited you back as a regular to talk about three moments in sport each month called The Podium, where you give us your gold, silver and bronze. And each month you're going to unpack that and tell us why. Isn't that right? Correct. Yeah. I've, I felt that there's, there's an opportunity with the session I had with you to just explore sport a little bit more, look at the drivers for individuals within areas of excellence, as well as disappointment. Throughout sport, we stop and recognize important moments and also understand why they're important. If you're a sports person trying to achieve, you want to see what successful people are doing and you also want to see what people are the mistakes that other people are making as well. But that's the same in not only in sport, but also in life. Whether you're a sports person or you're trying to be a piano player or you're trying to be a dancer or executive. Something, an executive, any of these things, there's an underlying theme, there's a current that runs through behavior where if you want to achieve excellence, you need a certain type of behavior. And I'm hoping that with your incredible experience, you've uh, not only been involved in politics, in education, you're involved, you have a science background, but you've also taught people and mentored people. So hopefully with your knowledge and you're what, you're 45 now, is that right? I, th- I think so. Uh, that's uh, seasonally adjusted. <laughs> that's right. Well, and, and I've watched a fair bit of sport over over many years. I've, I've loved observing it rather than just watching it. Robert Garland, you talked about tennis in January, and a tennis moment was your favourite 2021 moment, and it was actually Ash Barty. So mm-hmm. I assume that you're not going to talk about tennis this time. Is that fair? You've assumed wrong, uh, Stuart. I, I think looking at the Australian Open this year, when it was so rocky there uh, just after Christmas, is it going to go ahead? There was a lot of tension and we won't go into the, the whole sort of COVID issues and things like that. But that, that event's been going since year dot. And I, and I realised uh, that I'd been watching it for over 50 years 45 and you've been watching it for 50 years. Oh, it's uh, seasonally adjusted. Seasonally adjusted yeah. and uh, with the Benjamin Button effect. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Yep. So uh, I thought uh, for this month I've actually got a bit obsessed with the tennis again and I've come up with uh, three tennis players for the podium this month. So let's get into it. Your first a person that you've selected will go straight to the bronze medal yes. and we'll move up. Who have you selected for the bronze medal? Okay, please welcome to the podium, Nick Curios. Oh, quite remarkable. Nick Curios. Getting the bronze, yeah. Is, and is he, that for a good reason or a bad reason? Well, for me, it's a good reason. Nick Curios is, a, I think, ranked 115 uh, in the world, Australian tennis player. Um, he's been hot and cold over the last three or four years. And no one can really figure out where he lands, but he turned up and decided to play doubles at the Australian Open with his childhood mate who did, was based in Melbourne, Kokonakis, and he joined up and became the special case. 
and they were unseeded. And they went right the way through smashing uh, seeded players like there was no tomorrow. And they made the final and against another Australian team and bang, they got it. When you unpack that story about two young friends, mates growing up together in tennis and then them coming together for the Australian Open, mates playing together unseeded and then winning the Australian Open doubles – it's uh, it's it is it is it is a proper Australian story. Absolutely, and it was their hometown, and they had a hometown advantage, uh, of course. But they've been hot and cold. They had, they haven't played a lot together, but they were they were almost freakish. The 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 chemistry was tangible. They just almost second guessed each other, covered for each other. It was true Aussie mateship on a sporting. Arena. Not everything in the Australian Open around the men's doubles had mateship and a good feeling about it, did it? It certainly didn't. And why got the bronze for me was that instead of looking at the sport just as a vanilla ice cream, he made it Neapolitan. He put some colour in it, a bit different flavours, and uh, the crowd almost was obsessive around them. And the media, the same. Uh, they just couldn't get enough of him, and, and hence they got that nickname, the special case. So one of the things I've wanted to recognise is that he's come out and said, hey, sport has an entertainment value, and I'm going to deliver my component of that entertainment as well as play good tennis. Yeah, well, I couldn't stop watching, but a lot of people couldn't stop watching, and it probably got a lot of hits on social media but not necessarily for the right reasons. And I'm particularly talking about the leading into the finals. There were some unsavory moments both within the game preceding it and within the crowd that was watching it. And I just want to get you to hear some of that crowd right now, Robert Garland. just seen in the last four or five minutes on this tennis court. The end result is we have set point here for Puets and Venus. So, Robert Garland, I've never heard a crowd like that before. Neither have I. And, and part of me was actually excited by it. And the other part of me was saying, oh, geez, they're right on the edge, if not going over. But I, it was entertaining. It was a bubbly. It was exciting. At times it was in bad sporting taste. You know, there is a line there and uh, did he cross it? I don't know, but certainly the crowd made sure of it. In isolation, Nick Kyrgios acts the way he did. He might get a, a warning, but, but that's, that's who he is and, and the, he does push it to the edge. The thing that surprised me is how close to the edge or over the edge the crowd got. And I- individuals were cursing and swearing and insulting and shouting while their opposition was trying to serve. And that, that is a very unsavory behavior in tennis. And I'm, I, don't, I don't like it. I, I don't think I would mm-hmm. like my kids to go there and, and heckle 
to that point. Absolutely. I agree. It was a spectacle. But I also believe that when you consider it in its entirety, it was entertaining. But it didn't match what I like about Australian sport, which is the spirit, the spirit of, of sport, which captures the culture that is Australia, mateship, trying hard, never giving up, fair play, being good to your, your opposition, yes. being good to yourself. And yes. I would have liked to see that. Now, people can criticise Nick Kyrgios. I wouldn't blame him. What I would say is that there seemed to be a cultural shift in Australia where people were just fed up. And it came out in a moment in history in sport at the Australian Open at that game. And I, I, I don't totally disagree with you. I actually agree on many of the points, sure. But you've got to remember that Melbourne's been a pressure cooker. They've been locked down for you know, the, almost a world record, 250-plus days. They, they were like a junkyard dog let out um, and, and someone let go of the leash. And they just wanted to let their hair down. Fortunately, it didn't result in any any super ugly incidents, but it, it, it was unsavoury in those moments. But overall, the energy that was created, I, I've never seen anything like it before. And I, I don't think Nick can be blamed any shape or form for what the crowd did. Everyone's got some individual responsibility. It's a bit like screaming parents from the sideline, Um no one's forcing them to yell abuse at their, their child or their team for not doing what they'd expect. Uh, but I just felt we need to recognise the diversity of people, what their contribution is, the good, the bad and ugly. And if you don't want the ugly, obviously you can switch it off. If you don't want the bad, you can switch it off. So... If you don't want to even watch the good, if it's if you find it a little bit bland, you can switch it off. But the bottom line for me was he recognised and acknowledged to the crowd and to everyone in sport that he was, uh, in a sense, a world entertainer as opposed to a top tennis player. So if it's entertaining, it's okay. Yeah, it's, it's, so, it's interesting, so, isn't it? So then in some cultures and communities, pit bull fighting is entertaining. Is it okay, Robert Garland? No, it's not. I said there there is a line. There certainly is a line, and Nick finds it all the time. Yes. Um, He he is trying to manage his personality. For those that are not sure of it, you can can check it out on any search engine. He's, He's had foot and mouth all around the world, and he'll probably continue to do that. To watch him and some of his uh, styles of play, like he's just taking it uh, to another level. And I think, um, you know, for argument's sake, the underarm serve, like everyone's trying to get faster. We've got 200K, 210, 220. And then he turns around and pops over a lollipop at 120Ks. Like it's it's just fragments your head. What is sport? Uh, what are the rules of sport? And he's trying to bust that up. The end result is they teamed up as a, a random couple of guys that played as kids, unseated, and took out the world's best. Let's now get to your silver medal, which I think is one of the most heartwarming, meaningful moments, not only in January 2022, but potentially one of the greatest uh, examples of the purpose of sport. 
Yeah, absolutely. Look, I'm going to welcome to the podium in the the silver medal, Dylan Alcott. Dylan Alcott is an Australian athlete. He's a wheelchair tennis player and he was competing in the Australian Open where he was the favourite, I guess, to win. And he was also nominated as the Australian of the Year and went down to Canberra to accept the nomination. Why did you select him as your silver medal for January 2022? What had jumped out for me was the example that he made. He, he sort of began with the end in mind. So when you're starting out in sport, what's the why? What, what's driving your mojo, your ego? If you can hold that passion right through to the end and beyond, your life will be fuller. If you're just playing for playing's sake because your mates are doing it, it's not the same. So his driver was, hey, I want to play tennis. I want to be recognised for my skill. The fact that I'm in a wheelchair is irrelevant. I want to be recognised and then open up doors for other people in wheelchairs and disabilities with some four and a half million Australians, as he quotes, um, in that predicament, recognising that we need to focus on the ability, not the disability. Absolutely. And I think that's typified in his speech after he lost the Australian Open final and how gracious he was and how emotional he was that not only did he find healing in the sport, but he found healing in the people that that encouraged him to keep going. And it is a long clip, Robert, and I think it's worthwhile listening to it in its entirety. I want to bring you into the final speech just before Dylan retires Get ready to get a little teary. Thanks, man. Uh, oh, it's a bit low. Firstly, congratulations to Sam, mate. You deserve to win today. You were definitely the better player. To his coach, Yo, to Dennis, to all the Dutch tennis, mate. Congratulations, brother. Uh, you'll be winning many of these, I reckon, you and your mate Neil. So, um, mate, awesome job and uh, congratulations. Uh, to the Australian Open, I love you so much. Um, thanks so much to Jane and Craig and, and everybody. Thank you so much for, for changing my life, but, but also backing um, someone who's disabled to be the front of your, your brand. You changed my life, but judging by that award I got a couple of days ago, maybe helped change some other lives as well. And. Um, It's not all around the world when every single locker room we go into, there's wheelchair tennis on. And every single professional player, the top 10 men, women, they're all watching, they all know, and they all know now. And it's because it started on this court, right here, together. So I'm very thankful, so thanks. Uh, to my team, I love you all so much. It's been incredible eight, nine, 31 years for some of us. Um, 
It's my mum's birthday today, by the way. Happy birthday, mum. Love you. You know, to, to my mum, my dad, my stepmom, Dana, my, my brother, Zach, Brenda, Jonesy, you know, G, Youngy, Crowey, and my beautiful partner, Chantel. Um, I love you all so much. And, uh, you know, I play a small part in this. It's all what we've done together. And I pretty much know, I reckon, every time I look up, I see someone I know. I reckon I know 3,000 people here. Um, to my beautiful friends and, and family, um, yeah, I said this the other night, but I meant what I said. I hated myself so much growing up. And the reason I don't is because of you. It's because of you. So thank you so much. To, to everyone that's, that backed me throughout my career, you know, ANZ, Kia sponsors, everybody, I, I love you all so much, but my biggest thanks of all um, goes to you, everybody watching today, either here or on the wide world of sports. Um, I'm really the luckiest guy in the world, and I didn't need to win today to realise that. Um, it would have been nice to win, but to be honest, um, I'm still the luckiest person that I've ever met. I'm the luckiest guy in this country, if not the luckiest person in this world to live the life that I live. And and it's because you, everybody watching here today, that people like me, people with disability, we are getting the, not only the recognition, but we are integrated and involved in our society, especially. We want to be more and more every single day. And if you look up along the middle ring, see how many people with disability are here, right? Um, that's the reason I get out of bed, honestly, it really is. So. To my community, thanks for always backing me. I hope I make you proud over the next 12 years, uh, 12 months, not 12 years, <laughs> as your Australian of the Year. But this is the last time I ever get to speak on this court. Thank you to every single person for changing my life. I appreciate it so much. Wow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Can I just, I want to I bring out a few points there that really spoke to me. And the one is that he said... As a young man, I hated myself mm. and I don't hate myself anymore because of you. I believe that there are people, whether they have a disability or they have a, a physical disability, a mental disability, or they have something that they're facing in life, they may hate themselves, but they won't hate themselves anymore because of Dylan Walcott. And that is a powerful thing. Like he will change lives and we talk about the difference between entertainment and the true value the hidden mm -hmm. value of sport he has changed people's views on what it means to be in a wheelchair 
You know, people look up to him. They don't feel sorry for him. They want to aspire to be as positive, as empowered as he is. He won the Australian Open seven times. He won the French Open three times. He won uh, won Wimbledon twice and the US Open three times. By any standard, he is an ultimate champion. And to get acknowledged by people like Andy Murray to say you are an inspiration, it's got to be, I guess, a feather in his cap to know what he has strived for his whole life has been worthwhile. Absolutely. Like, uh, what a way to finish, to, to be so elated and emotive and lose a final. It just shows you the journey is always much bigger than the end result. We, we, do, we do love the gold medal, the first prize, but there is a lot more to sport than just that end result. And he's taken it to another level. And if I was to talk to any team, able, disabled, combination, male, female, doesn't matter who you are, watch a few of his games, listen to that, you'll have transformation. As Australian of the Year, he has an amazing opportunity to, uh, in a sense, convert forever um, that stigma. So we look at everybody equally with whatever ability they have and we try and extract that. So he's gone from a childhood fan of tennis to dreaming of playing of tennis to being allowed to play tennis because Tennis Australia opened up wheelchair tennis at the Australian Open to now it be the social norm. What an amazing journey. And he started off with that vision in mind. And this is so Australian of the Year for him is just another stepping stone. Dylan Alcock, uh, President of Australia. It is almost impossible to beat that moment, that could be the moment of the decade, yet it's your silver medal and I think for good reason because the next one, again tennis, is an absolute perler. Who is it? Well, I have come out um, in the previous interview with the story of Ash Barty and winning Wimbledon and so please welcome to the stage gold medal winner, Ash Barty. A set from sporting immortality here in Australia. Ash Barty claims the opener, 6-3. You talked in January about your 2021 moment. It was Ash Barty winning Wimbledon, being the first Australian female to win it in 50 years. That's outstanding. And it probably couldn't be bested except as an Australian tennis player, She comes to Australia in the Australian Open and it's her dream to win the Australian Open and she gets to the final. She has a tough, tough match, but she comes out and takes the trophy and becomes a champion of the Australian Open. Amazing. And she's won now. She's not only won three titles, but she's won it on three surfaces and she has been the number one for a considerable period now and she came back to the sport helped by Casey Delacqua, as we understand, as well as her coach and now fiancé, uh, plus a, a team around her. 
and uh, more importantly, uh, Yvonne Goolagong Corley, who won Wimbledon 50 years ago, and she's been a magnificent mentor for her. So she went and played Australian uh, cricket, and someone said, well, look, it's maybe time for you to have a look at tennis again. So she was drawn back in it, started out doing some doubles, uh, and then it's been almost a four-year journey to get back on that horse and uh, to watch her play with such humility and such precision. She is a smiling assassin. Um, she figures people out. In the second set, she was down 5-1 against the US uh, player. And everyone was basically saying, well, this is going to go to three sets. And then it was almost, she just dug into a kit bag. You could see her, you know, the cogs ticking over. And she went out and played slightly differently. And she just had another component to a game. When she finished, the raw emotion, um, her whole body was just almost in spasm and the crowd was standing in it, – it, it was just a moment, 44 years since the last uh, woman finalist. So, again, she's setting new records. Why she's ended up on the gold podium is for, for many reasons for me, but essentially the Australian pride that she – engendered what she's achieved along with Dylan for argument's sake and nicked to a slightly lesser extent Stuart is helped you believe that uh, it's not just one size fits all that it is hard work it is a grind it is slips and trips it is about pressing on breaking through breaking with and she showed the world that she is the real deal, but so genuine about it. A destiny is fulfilled. What a moment. 44 years, it's a long time between drinks. And maybe, guys, this was written in the stars. Maybe this was always meant to be from the moment she picked up a racket at six years of age. And her first coach, Jim Joyce, he's here tonight. Cannot imagine what is happening in her, her player box. Mum and Dad here to see her win a slam for the very first time. Yeah, absolutely incredible. Oh. I, mean, I think everyone's getting emotional. Amazing. And after Wimbledon last year, her childhood dream now to win the Australian Open here at home. First woman to do so in 44 years, first Australian woman. Incre amazing, incredible what she's been able to do. Wow. <laughs> it still puts a lump in my throat. Yeah, from six, she's 25 now, 19 years in the making. It's not an overnight success. It's not just grab some flour and water, mix it up. There's a lot of ups and downs and journeys that people have to take. And that's why I've chosen her because the journey is bigger. The story is much bigger than the silverware. And people need to be mindful of that when they are playing sport. You know, what is their story that they, they're going to tell their family, their friends, their grandkids? 
create a story, create a connection to um, your the, your fans and the pe- people previously in the sport. She'll have a story to tell, and to be connected with Yvonne Gulligan Corley and to see her come out on the court and present her silverware was another moving moment. We don't have a lot of Indigenous players at elite level, and we've got to see another one. Uh, when I was a young kid, I watched Yvonne Corley. She was exceptional. We've obviously seen, uh, for those that are old enough, Kathy Freeman, if you haven't seen that, uh, that just bonded a, da- a nation. Um, it put the Olympics on the map for Australians. And I think with Ash, she's got the opportunity to continue that story and in a sense lift indigenous people but also all of us it's that there's no demarcation she's she's just so natural she's an australian she's indigenous she's an elite sports person she's so genuine and so connected to her family her friends and the history and her fans and it makes people believe that if you're a young girl dreaming of becoming something great, you've got a chance. If you're a young Australian girl, it's not unachievable. If you're a young Indigenous Australian, it's not unachievable. Someone's been there before, they've found the path and they've made it easier to track the next time. And I think that's a really important part of this. I think there's two parts. One is it creates a path for the future. But also in that moment, it felt like it healed Australia a little bit as well. Oh, absolutely. And that to me is why she is so fitting because she was standing on the shoulders of Yvonne and Kathy and all those people that came before her who lifted her up and now she's doing the same and she'll go on and this, this will be a part of Australian culture and Australian history for as long as we're alive and our children and our children that will follow because it is so meaningful, so powerful, and you've chosen it as your gold medal, and that's a good choice. Just a lovely sporting moment. So uh, first, second, and third, I know they're all tennis, but they come with each with a different message, and it was just a, a really enjoyable, and I hope the listeners have got their part of it as well um, in recognising the drivers in a result. Look below the surface. It's not all good and it's not all bad and it's not all ugly, but there's a story. Find that story and then make your own as a result of that. Robert Garland, thank you for joining me on the Future Champions podcast. I'm looking forward to catching up with you in March to hear about your February podium places. Are you uh, ready for that? Have you started getting some ideas together? Absolutely. We're, we're, We're having a good look at the cricket. Yes, cricket. Uh, what else is on at the moment? Uh, the Winter Olympics. The Winter Olympics. There's some unbelievable results there. Some of the performances have been chilling. <laughs> yeah, I'm really, like, I was trying to play it on my computer, but it was frozen. Oh, no. <laughs> Deary me. How's, how good's that? Robert Garland, thank you for joining me on the Future Champions podcast. Mm-hmm.